A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. There's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but I think no. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. My mission really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are God by faith in His Son. Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians 3 7. Victory in the name which is above every name. No exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme. Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Master's Dog, episode 88. I'm your host, The Evangelical Norm. So The Master's Dog is a podcast to bring awareness, to talk about false teachers, to refute false teachings. Uh, Essentially, the the John Calvin quote at the beginning, um, when God's truth is attacked, we want to speak up. And so that's what The Master's Dog is all about. I'm here just to bark when God's truth is attacked. And it started out doing this podcast, it was started out as Faith and Beliefs Refuted, uh, simply uh, responding to a segment of the Saints Unscripted podcast, otherwise known, formerly known as the Three Mormons. They had a segment called Faith and Beliefs where they started with the LDS Articles of Faith. Having been LDS, I wanted to respond to each of these and um, just explain how they did not line up with Orthodox Christianity. They continued that segment beyond the Articles of Faith to do all kinds of segments uh, about uh, LDS doctrine. So I continued to respond. Later on, I wanted to expand to dealing with other pseudo-Christian or false teachers within uh, the Christian church. Uh, And so that's when it became the master's dog um, and expanded to that. So... All that being said, we today we are going to return to our roots, and we are dealing with our friend David from Saints Unscripted, 
And today he is going to talk about the prayer circle in the LDS temple uh, ceremony and, and so on uh, a little bit and trying to explain why that is. Uh, again, this is not something that as apologists or evangelists, even if we're out talking to an LDS person on the street, this is never going to come up. If I'm in a debate, which rarely Let's face it, I'm never in a debate. Um, we leave those things to the guys who are far better than I am, like Jeff Durbin and James White. Um, I just get behind a camera and a microphone and talk. Uh, but in a debate, this is probably never going to come up. So this is not something that is like an essential, wow, this is horrible uh, Mormon doctrine. Uh, I mean, most people probably have no idea that it even exists. Um but it's in, it is important to, to deal with it if the topic does ever come up to kind of talk about why do they do this? Do we find any evidence for this in scripture, in the Bible? Uh, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to let David get into it and we'll do what we do and we stop and talk as we need to. So here we go. Here's David. All right, guys, so we've done a couple of other episodes about what Latter-day Saints do inside their sacred temples. If you haven't watched those episodes, I suggest you do so, specifically this one, which gives a general overview of the endowment ceremony. Towards the end of the endowment ceremony today, Latter-day Saint temple patrons can participate in what is known as a prayer circle. And that prayer circle is what we're going to talk about today. And again, all those episodes of... The, that they've done dealing with the temple, I've also done responses to, so you can check those out. All right, so to Latter-day Saints, temples are extremely sacred, and culturally, because they're so sacred, there are lots of opinions about which aspects of the temple are and are not appropriate to talk about publicly. There are a few specific aspects of the temple that Latter-day Saints promise not to talk about outside the temple. But the vast majority of what goes on inside is open to reverent, respectful discussion. In fact, a ton of information has already been published by the church or church-affiliated sources. You just have to know where to look. For example, according to the Encyclopedia of Mormonism, which was largely produced by BYU, the prayer circle is a part of Latter-day Saint temple worship usually associated with the endowment ceremony. Participants, an equal number of men and women dressed in temple clothing, surround an altar in a circle formation to participate unitedly in prayer. In another article, BYU Studies adds the detail that the prayer is accompanied by offering certain signs of the priesthood. If you've been through the temple, then you know that it's those specific signs that we are not supposed to reveal outside the temple. So that's as specific as we'll get with that. Now, let's just discuss that for a minute. Now, pre-1991, and I'm, I know that the, the temple ceremony has changed multiple times, but I think it was 1991 when they took out the uh, penalty portion of the temple endowment ceremony, which indicated the, the penalties you would pay if you revealed any of these tokens of the priesthood outside of the temple uh, along the lines of having your throat cut, uh, being cutting across your... You had, and, symbolically cutting across your abdomen to have uh, to to indicate you would be disemboweled if you revealed any of these things it's not simply a oh we don't talk about it because it's sacred this was a horrifying <laughs> um, gag order uh, if, if that's what we can put it a, a horrifying 
means of trying to shut people up and not talk about this. That kind of goes beyond sacred into cult-like. Back to the encyclopedia. The formation of the prayer circle suggests wholeness and eternity, and the participants, having affirmed that they bear no negative feelings towards other members of the circle, evoke communal harmony in a collective prayer, a harmony underscored by the linked formation, uniformity of dress, and the unison repetition of the words of the leader. The prayer has no set text, but is, among other things, an occasion for seeking the Lord's blessing upon those with particular needs whose names have been submitted for collective entreaty. Okay, the only thing in there that doesn't line up with, uh, with literally witchcraft ceremonies as well is the fact that it has no set text. Um, much of this is very uh, similar to things you will find in witchcraft. And I'm not talking about Jack Chick, uh, you know, um, tracks of, of so on. I mean, literally, if you investigate Wicca, if you look, I, again, I claim to be Wiccan for a period of time in my life. I actually went to a, was part of a coven in Germany um, briefly, very briefly, because um, it scared the heck out of me, right? Scared, <laughs> I just sounded so Mormon. Scared the crap out of me. I can say that on my own podcast. Um, so, but it does. The, the things, the uniformity, the so on, all these things are very similar to things that you will find in witchcraft. That's the prayer circle. Now, prayers said by people in circles are not exclusive to our faith. There are different kinds of prayer circles all over the place. For example, Protestants in Joseph Smith's day would sometimes pray in circles. The Freemasons in Joseph's day also had a somewhat similar practice, which was probably instructive and revelatory for Joseph. And if you yeah, exactly. Seeing is a lot of what happens in the temple ceremonies, including those tokens of the priesthood and the penalties uh, come directly out of Freemasonry. And to, to say that other groups, I mean, we have prayer circles at, at refuge every once in a while when we sit around and pray simply because that's a really good way to sit when you have a group of people and you're talking. You know, we do our house church and I mean, sometimes we end up in almost like a figure eight kind of thing because we have a circle around the living room and generally a circle around the kitchen table um, when we're there. And so it almost turns into this figure eight thing. So it's our prayer eight. It just prayer. A circle is a really good way for a group of people to sit around, be able to look at each other, communicate prayer requests and then pray together. It's not like we go, let's have a prayer circle. Let's do this thing. Let's get together and pray. And almost naturally you form into a circle. So it's not like there are these prescribed circles of prayers within Protestantism or uh, Orthodox Christianity. If you want to dive deeper into that topic, check out this episode or pause to read this quote. You can also find bits and pieces of this practice in ancient times. Early Christian prayer circles were a thing, although they weren't always exactly the same. Sometimes there'd be an altar in the middle, sometimes just a person. In some, the participants would dance in a circle, in others not. So, for example, in the Pista Sophia, we read about Christ offering a prayer at an altar while surrounded... Not a biblical text. ...surrounded by both male and female disciples who were dressed in linen garments. In the pseudepigraphal work, The Acts of John, Christ gathered his apostles and instructed them to make, as it were, a ring, holding one another's hands and himself, Christ, standing in the midst. He said, answer, amen to me. 
not a biblical text. Scholar Alonzo Gaskell adds, in other words, after Jesus would say a phrase as part of his prayer, he wanted his disciples to say amen, implying that they agreed with that part of the prayer as though they had said it themselves. Nowhere scripturally will you find any, nowhere biblically, let's, in the Bible, within the Bible, these are all extra biblical, pseudopigraphal, choose your term, not biblical texts. We don't regard them as scripture in any way, shape, or form. You won't find these ritualistic kind of prayers within. Um, I mean, the closest to a ritualistic prayer you will find is Jesus giving, teaching the disciples how to pray and giving them the Lord's Prayer. Ever, I mean, elsewhere he talks about, uh, you know, repetitiveness and, you know, many words and so on being um, pointless, essentially. Christ then says his prayer in the form of a hymn and afterwards instructs the disciples to keep silence about my mysteries. In the first book of Jehu, Christ gives his disciples various seals and ciphers that allow them to progress through all the veils of the treasuries of light. Once the apostles are instructed, Christ says to the twelve, Surround me, all of you. Answer me and give glory with me as I give glory to my Father. Christ then starts his prayer reminding the apostles, Repeat after me, saying Amen according to every glorification. Now, if you're unfamiliar Again, not a biblical text. Familiar with Latter-day Saint temple practices like the prayer circle, you might think it's a little weird. That's normal. Practices of any religion you're unfamiliar with are going to seem weird until you understand their symbolism, history, and purpose. The purpose of the prayer circle is multifaceted. One purpose is to simply teach you about that method of prayer, but the purpose of the actual prayer is pretty much the same as any other prayer, but in a group setting. The idea being that the prayer may be more effective when offered in a temple of God together by a unified group. And that unity is important. As Tertullian taught, we should go not up unto God's altar before we compose whatever of discord or offense we have contracted with our brethren. For what sort of deed is it to approach the peace of God without peace? In our temple prayer circles, a temple worker leads the prayer expressing gratitude to God and asking for blessings. Specifically, members submit names to the temple of friends or loved ones who are struggling for whatever reason. And then in the prayer circle, we ask God to bless those people. After the prayer, Latter-day Saints continue on with the temple endowment ceremony. And that's a quick rundown of Latter-day Saint temple prayer circles. Check out the resources in the YouTube description of this video for more information and have a great day. All right, so there you go. So just a couple of things on that. And the main thing that I wanted, because he made the comment about maybe uh, a prayer offered in God's temple to be more effective. I can't remember the way he said it. Your prayer, Orthodox Christian. Now, let me, let me, <clears throat> let me get here. Let me first, let me, let me deal with those who are not. If you are a Christian, if you are not a Christian, if you are not a, a repentant follower of the biblical Christ by faith drawn unto him by the Holy Spirit regenerated by the Holy Spirit if you are not that person God does not hear your prayer the only prayer God will hear from that person is the prayer of repentance and I did not look up the scripture verse but it's there uh, it says that God doesn't hear those prayers the only prayer that God will hear is a prayer that he puts in your heart which is the prayer of repentance when he draws you unto himself. Believer in Christ, if you are a believer in Christ, if you are in Christ, if you are have repented and put your faith in him, if you've prayed that pray, 
prayed that prayer of, of the unbeliever, the only prayer that God will hear, that of repentance and faith in Christ, if you are that person, you don't need to be in a temple to pray and have it be effective. Now, again, that's not saying we don't gather together as saints and pray in church and so on. That, that's a different thing. But the prayer offered in church is no different than your prayer offered in home or a hospital room or in your car driving down the street. Your, sin, your prayer to God is heard because you are his child. You are adopted by the spirit of adoption. You can cry, Abba, Father. And those prayers are effective no matter where you pray them. Continue to gather Go to church. That's not saying that you can go up to the mountain and be, oh, I can go commune with God just as well. No. Jesus tells us we need to be in church. We need to continue to gather. Do not forsake the gathering of the saints. Uh, pray there. But your prayer anywhere else is just as effective. You, where you're located or a building or whatever does not make your prayer more effective. Now, you should be, again, we, we do want to deal with issues with our brothers or any of those things. You know, there are things to talk about, you know, before you go and make your offering, go and, and reconcile with your brother. These are things that are biblical. These are things you should do. But again, if, whether you're in a temple or, you know, and that has its own other issue, but whether you're in the church or in your home or in your car Whatever, wherever you are, your prayer is just as effective as it would be anywhere else. So a manner of prayer or anything else, as long as you are crying out to the Lord and you are repentant and you are a follower of Christ, God is going to hear that prayer. And it is going to be just as effective anywhere. So my LDS friend, if, if you're following after these things, uh, run. Get out. Because these things are not... Uh, real. This is this is not a religion that can lead you to salvation. It is a false religion offered by a false prophet, following proclaiming a false gospel of a false Christ, who has a false god. It's all idolatry. It's all fake. And you can go back through eighty-eight episodes of this show and beyond into the Faith and Beliefs Refuted shows, and you can get many uh, examples of that. And my Christian friend, as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words, because they are necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm -hmm.